Hi, my name is Hillary on Courtesy Staff. You're listening to week three of Falls Creek Podcast. The speaker for week three was Todd Sanders, and we had 4,883 students in attendance. Enjoy. Have a seat. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. Um, we're going to be, woo. <laughs> we're going to be in the book of John uh, tonight, and really, uh, it's going to be the main focal point of each our, of our evening messages. Um, it's so good to see you, and again, uh, like I said earlier, such a privilege to be um, here and be able to, to bring the messages in the evening um, and, and serve in this capacity. Uh, my first opportunity to do this, and uh, t- about a year and a half, two years ago, can't exactly remember when, Andy had asked me uh, to pray and consider preaching this week, and and so begin to prepare and agreed to do that. Uh, little did I know at that time what the Lord had planned in Andy's life and in my life and, and would be here in this summer as the program director. So a privilege uh, not just to preach but also to preach in my first uh, summer as program director. But um, let's just go ahead and jump in. Before we start, I want to introduce you to my family. Um, many of you in the room may know my family uh, from any number of different ways, uh, but I have a picture of them. So this is my wife, Angela, and uh, yes, please clap for them because that is the, the thing that I have in my life to clap about, all right? So Angela and I have been married 26 years, and I uh, have two kids, Hunter and Hope. Hope actually is on staff with us again this summer. Uh, many of you know, uh, may know my son, Hunter. Hunter's actually in Portugal uh, right now visiting a friend over there and, and doing some traveling. He taught this last year at Deer Creek Middle School, um, taught history. And um, Hope is a sophomore, just finished up her sophomore year at Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes. And um, so... That is our family, and we have one dog, his name's Chico, he's a chihuahua, all right? And um, we actually live in his house because he's there more than we are. So um, that's my family, and uh, certainly get a chance to meet at least two of them this week. They'll be around, so if you see them, uh, encourage them, say hi to them. I know that they would love to, to meet you. So um, as we begin this week, uh, I want us to look at um, our need our need. And really, uh, kind of the overarching idea of these messages in the evening that we'll be looking at is Jesus meets our need. And so I want us to personalize that, right? So Jesus meets my need. Jesus meets my need. And so this week, we're going to look at some snapshots from John's gospel where Jesus provides these pictures. He provides some metaphors Um, So he's describing himself in terms of something else to give us uh, a glimpse of the work of his salvation, right? Um, It's what he does in salvation. And so that's where we're going to be camping out in our evening times together. And really a single focus that Jesus meets our need. And really there's a single means by which that happens. Uh, One way through which Jesus meets our needs. And that's the good news, the gospel the good news of Jesus, that we have salvation in Christ, and in that, he meets our every need. He meets our every need. And so before we dive in uh, tonight to this first picture, this first metaphor, um, and and talk about that a little bit, I want us to look in um, Scripture and look at some questions that I think Jesus not only asks in Scripture, but he's asking of us this week. And so I want us to look at these questions um, that we see in Scripture before we jump into our passage tonight. And the first one is this, from John chapter 1, Jesus, um, he asked this question, what do you want? What do you want? 
And so um, I think as Jesus addresses our need here, he's inviting us in this week. Um, He's asking these um, early disciples. In John 1, we see him inviting, calling the first disciples. And uh, John the Baptist has some disciples with him, some of his followers. And John says, look, uh, behold the Lamb of God. And, And he turns to them and he says, well, what do you want? What do you want? And, and they ask to see where he's staying, and so he says, come, um, come and see. And so he invites them uh, to go with him where he's staying. And I think Jesus is inviting us with that question this week to consider what it is uh, that we want. What's, what's our need this week? What's our need? Also, um, kind of reiterates that or, or asks in a little different way in Mark chapter 10, verse 51, um, when he says, what do you want me to do for you uh, to, to blind Bartimaeus? And blind Bartimaeus says, I want to see right? I mean, it makes sense, right? You're blind. Um, God asks you, hey, what do you want me to do for you? You've been blind um, and a significant amount of time, and what would you probably want? Uh, you would want that healing. I'm sure he heard about the miracles of Jesus, and what does he ask for? I want to see. I want to see. And so Jesus is addressing our need. Um, and so through his faith, Jesus healed him. And, and I want to encourage you tonight that as we look at this week from Scripture, that Jesus wants to meet your need. Jesus wants to meet your need. He wants to meet your need for satisfaction. He wants to meet your need for life. Um, he, he wants you to truly live. He wants you to meet your need for belonging. He wants to meet your need for love. He wants to meet your need for purpose or a cause. And he wants to meet your need for hope. And those are the things we're going to be tracking through as we look at these metaphors from Scripture. So Jesus tonight is asking us, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And then I think he's also asking this, um, do you want to get well? We see it in John chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus is addressing our problem. And so what is our need, and, and do we want him to meet that need? What is our problem, and do we want him to fix that? What is our sickness, what is our illness? Do we want God to, to heal that, right? What do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want? Do you want to get well? So I think Jesus also um, would have us ask the question. We see God asking Elijah the question in uh, 1 Kings 19, verses 9 and 13. Um, after Elijah has um, been obedient to the Lord, and then the results, uh, the kickback, um, wasn't what he expected. Um, and so he's still seeking out the Lord. And in this interaction, God asks Elijah the question, um, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, and I think that's a great, great question for us to ask as we start our week is, is ask why we're here. Ask why we're here. Listen, some of you are here for fun, and some of you are here um, for friends because someone asked you. Some of you are here because of this foundational faith that you need to build. Some of you are here just to receive a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, a uh, work of God in your life, whether you're a student or an adult. Maybe that's why you're here. Um, some of you are here, um, and it, it's going to be formative in you taking a firm stand in your faith from this point forward. Uh, maybe some of you um, have some, some way in which you need to be fixed, right? Um, that God would heal you, like we said, change you. So maybe that's why you're here. Um, and listen, I understand this, and the crowd decides. I know some of you are just flippant. Um, you don't really know why you're here. You don't care that you're here. You've ended up here, and you plan on having a good time. But I want to tell you this. God has so much more for you. God wants to meet your need. And he wants to meet your need in Jesus. What, what do you want him to do for you? God has brought us here, 
okay? Um, and he's speaking to us and he's asking of us, but will we hear what he has to teach us? Will we hear what he has to teach us as we think about our purpose for being here? Listen, he's calling, he's whispering, will we listen? Will we listen? What do we need this week? What do we need Jesus to do? Or what does he want to do with you? And then will you let him? Will you let him? The truth is we all need something, something that will fill us, right? We all need something. Every one of us in this place, we need something that will fill us, something to satisfy us. It's a deep longing that's embedded in us, okay? A deep longing to be satisfied, this need that we have. And this week, we want to explore and we want to see that Jesus meets that need. So let's look in Scripture at John chapter 6 as we jump into our passage tonight. I just want to read this. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue on. Let's look at chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. God's Word says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, that you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal, eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do um, to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Let's pray together. Father, pray that you would guide our hearts in your truth tonight. God, as we begin this week, that we would listen attentively to you, um, that you would do in us uh, what you want to do. And God, as we hear you, as we listen, we would not just hear, but we would respond to you. And so each young man, each young woman in this room tonight that's here this week, each adult that's in this room that's here this week, God, I pray um, that we would, would be open to your move and we would respond when you do. Speak to us, Lord. God, I don't have anything good to say. You have everything good to say. And so may we listen to you tonight. May we listen to you this week um, as we jump into your word. And we give you all the glory for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we think about this idea of satisfaction, right, we have this need, and the first need we're going to look at tonight is satisfaction, all right? So as we think about the idea of being satisfied, we spend a lot of time looking for satisfaction. We have a need uh, to be filled, right? We have a need to be satiated. We have a need to be satisfied in life, and we're going to talk about that a little more, but I want you to understand this, that there are people who know that. Companies who sell products know that you have a need to be satisfied, and so it plays into their advertising, um, and companies um, often will not sell you the product. They'll sell you a feeling or something that comes with it, right? They want you to be satisfied with their product. 
So they won't focus on the product, they'll focus on something else. And here's the crazy thing is, is they know this, they do it, and we respond to it. And we buy the product because of the experience, right? We buy the product because of what it promises, um, and so they keep, they keep giving us the promise, and we keep responding to it, we keep buying into it. You know, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Um, here are some examples, okay? Let me give you some examples of these um, advertisements. Okay, one would be uh, Butterfinger, okay? Bolder than bold. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a Butterfinger that is bold, all right? But for some reason, we buy into this Butterfinger bolder than bold. Here's an example. It's called joy marketing, right? We're trying to create an emotion, a feeling attached to our product, so you'll buy our product. Here's another one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Snickers, what? Satisfies. Now, how many of you have ever had a Snickers before? Anyone had a Snickers? Yeah, all of us, well, many of us maybe have had a Snickers. Were you satisfied after you ate said Snickers? Chances are no, because pretty soon you would want a, a what? Another Snickers or something else. Or need to go on a run, whatever it is. Let's go to the next thing. Okay, you're not hungry when you're, hung, uh, when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. Okay, sorry, I'm, I couldn't read. Okay, let's go to the next one. I'm loving it. Okay, McDonald's. Listen, I had McDonald's yesterday, and I love a McDonald's cheeseburger. Listen, and I know that the food value of the McDonald's cheeseburger is probably not great. I love McDonald's fries. I love that taste. I had McDonald's last night on the way down here. And let me just tell you, last night at about 1230, I regretted having McDonald's. I was not loving it, okay? In that moment, it was a mistake. And so uh, in the moment, I was loving it, not last night late. Okay, let's go to the next one. I'm loving it. Uh, we have another one. This is a phone company. Now, the phone company, there's not a phone on this advertisement. Their advertising campaign is Choose Happy, and they have a donut. I've never experienced this with a phone, okay? So, um, can't eat the phone, won't taste the phone. It would be a bad idea to lick the phone because of all the germs that are on the phone. And so, I don't understand why you advertise Choose Happy with a donut or a phone, but the advertisers do, and they sell us stuff, right? Because we have this deep longing to connect. Here's the next one. Let's go to the next one. Wonder Bread builds bodies strong eight ways, okay? Wow. Everyone go, wow. Builds bodies, strong bodies eight ways. Evidently, it, it was not good enough, and so they had to up it to impress us more. Here's another one. Look, 12 ways, okay, builds strong bodies. So, so the companies know that eight... Eight ways doesn't sell bread anymore, right? So what do we have to do? We have to go 12 ways, okay? Maybe now it's 16, I don't know. But, but promise to give us something that it can't deliver, won't satisfy. Let's go to the next one, okay? Have a Coke and a smile. Coke adds life, will also clean acid off your batteries, okay? It adds life, maybe takes away from your life, okay? But they're selling, they're selling satisfaction, right? They know that we have this deep longing. Here's another Coke uh, campaign, I think we have maybe, yeah, I like to buy the world a Coke, right? That was one. And, and, and there's harmony that comes from that, right? We can unite the world because of this carbonated beverage, right? They're selling satisfaction. Here, a couple more here, maybe one, two more. Let's go to the next one. Share the joy, ready whip, okay? My whipped cream brings me joy. Now, I may taste good, and I'm all about sugar, as we'll see here in just a minute, but I don't know if we have joy 
lasting joy through Ready Whip. A couple more here. Um, Nestle, okay, good food, good life. All right, I, yeah, I think good food can, can help us to have moments where we enjoy life, but I'm not sure if good food delivers the good life that we want, okay, that we want to enjoy. Let's go to the next one, um, Coffee Mate. Now, I want to point this out to you. I was looking at some Coffee Mate one time, and look what uh, up here it says. Um, first of all, coffee has been their love since 1961, okay? Um, I don't know. I like coffee as much as the next person. I don't know if I would describe it as my love. Um, I have a lot of different ways that I make coffee. I like to grind my own beans. I like to do uh, French press, pour over, aero press, um, any kind of press. You can get that caffeine, uh, that brown water out of those beans. I'm all for it. But I don't know if I would describe it as my love, okay, for any significant period of time. Um, but also look right here. It turns from your mere routine into a meaningful ritual, okay? This, this, this sounds like an experience, right? And then look down here. It's close to our heart. This is coffee creamer, you guys. Close to your heart. A meaningful ritual um, for me to put coffee made in my coffee, right? They're not selling the product. They're selling an experience because they, they know deep down we have a longing. We have a desire to have this satisfaction. Let's go to the next one. Um, many of you might like this one. Change your life with bacon, all right? Yeah. Now, some, some of you may really like bacon, but I'm just telling you, I don't know if the change that bacon brings to your life is anything positive, all right? Um, it promises to satisfy, but it can't, right? So, so listen, here, here's, here's the point, is that we have this deep longing to, to have this need of satisfaction met in our lives, and we crave it, and we seek it, and we fill up on it. And here are all the things that we can fill up on. We fill up on relationships, companionship, friendship, distraction, entertainment, success, money, things, experiences, recognition, fame, uh, influence. We, we fill up on, on ministry or service. Right, so some of us, we jump from camp to camp, retreat to retreat, event to event, because we're looking for some satisfaction. We're longing for it, but we have to understand that that won't ever fill. We, we try to um, soak up achievement, satisfy ourselves in that, some earthly, temporal, physical thing, temporary thing. And it goes on and on and on, yet none of it lasts. Deep down, none of it satisfies. We can see it. Um, uh, we can see that, it, that some of it's even good. We can see fruit from it, right? Uh, we can see good things that, that happen through it. Um, these things in and of themselves might be good. They might be worthwhile things. But if it's just seeking the thing itself, it all passes. It all disappears. It ends. It changes. And so those things that we seek satisfaction in don't fill us. They don't meet the need that we so desperately have. They leave us wanting more. They leave us wanting more. And listen, if Wonder Bread promises to deliver strong bodies in eight, no, 12 ways, the things that we seek satisfaction on, they just all are moldy bread, right? They just wither and they waste and they rot and they pass away. And so if we're seeking to be satisfied on those things, we won't be filled, but we need to understand this, that we need to look nowhere else but Jesus for satisfaction. The true bread, the true food, okay, that truly satisfies. 
And so um, we're going to jump into this passage a little deeper. Um, I want us to have a little background on the book of John. John's written by John the Apostle. Okay, so this is one of Jesus' inner three. Um, as scripture would call him, the disciple whom Jesus loved. All right, so he's very close to Jesus, walked with Jesus. Um, he spent a lot of face time with Jesus. And so when he is relaying these things to us, he experienced these things um, as he writes to us. So he writes, he's writing um, to, to talk about who Jesus is, to reveal Jesus' true identity as Messiah. Um, he's showing his life, his ministry, right? Um, so that people would believe, so that people would believe in Jesus. And so it, it's evangelistic in many ways, right? It's revealing the good news of Jesus, but it's also apologetic because we have evidence here, we have things that would help us um, provide a defense for our faith when pressed, when asked, as Scripture says, that we would be ready to give an answer for the hope that we profess. And so it's apologetic, right? It gives this answer to our faith, so it builds us as believers, it grows us, but it also calls people into faith and says, this is who Jesus is, believe in him, believe in him. And so it has themes of belief, life. Um, it elevates Jesus' deity in this book. It, it shows us the miracles or signs of Jesus. Um, at my church, uh, we just recently, in the past several months, had walked through a series on these miracles of Jesus, these signs of Jesus in the book of John. The purpose um, uh, is evangelistic, like we said, apologetic. This is a rich book. It is a spiritual book. But it's simple, it's pretty straightforward, but it shows Jesus meeting our need. And this week we're going to look at some of these glimpses of that truth. And so let's just look in 6, 1 through 35, and uh, let's look at um, uh, kind of where we are and what Jesus, uh, how he meets our, our need as we see it in this passage. So um, just to recount some of these things, bring us up to speed. Jesus right here, um, he comes to a place where these crowds had pushed up against him, right? These crowds had gathered. He goes up uh, on a mountainside and he sees the crowd and he asks the question like, what are we going to feed them? Where are we going to get the bread to feed them? Um, and one of the disciples that's with him, Philip, he says, um, well, we don't have enough money. Do you know how much money this would take? And so he immediately goes to the, like this physical provision, like we can't possibly afford to feed all these people. And then I, I love the response of the next disciple, Andrew. Um, he brings up a boy. Um, how many of you have heard the phrase, um, it's like taking candy from a baby? Okay, yeah, this is a, it's like a biblical picture of like, the, the disciples are like, we can't buy this, so what do we possibly do? Here's a boy, he has some bread and some fish. Let's take his food and feed all these people. Now, um, Jesus um, it, it takes that, okay, um, and he has all the people sit down that are there, and scripture tells us that the men sit down, there are about 5,000 of them, uh, but, but picture this, look around the room, just look around the room. So, so we're looking around the room. If the men are counted here, maybe that included their families. So it could have been double this, triple this, that people that have sat down on this grassy area hillside. So it's a lot of people, right? And so Jesus gives thanks for the, the bread. He gives thanks for the fish, and he distributes those things. And he tells the people to eat your fill. And then he says, we don't want to waste anything. Gather all this stuff up. So he gathers up all the leftovers, and there are 12 baskets of leftovers, like out of these, 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 this tiny amount of of loaves and fishes. He gathers up all these leftovers. Now, how many of you like good leftovers? Anyone like good leftovers? I want you to turn to a neighbor, share uh, what your favorite leftover is. Ready? On your mark, get set, go, just really quickly.
All right. So, how many of you have a favorite leftover? Anyone have a favorite leftover? Listen, my favorite leftover, I think there aren't many things that compete, but I tell you, reheated hideaway pizza, thin crust hamburger, there's not much that competes in the way of leftovers. It's like supreme, like top leftover. And so, so they have all this stuff left over, and still as we walk through the story, still as we walk through this story, um, the people were so focused on the physical, right? They see the sign, and they're like, surely this is the prophet um, who has come into the world. And they flip out, right? He's the guy. This is the guy. He's coming to the world. Why? Because he fed us. It's like a bunch of believers with Chick-fil-A, okay? It's like, if, if you fed, if you could, if you could provide 5, 10, 50,000 people with, with Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, it would just rock our world, right? That's the guy. It's because... He was able to feed us Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Man, this is the guy who's going to save the world. And so they're so focused on all these physical, temple, earthly things, okay? And, and so, so he senses something. He, he senses and he knows that, like, they think he's the guy and they want him to overtake the government, right? A hostile takeover. They want to put him in by force as king. And so he withdraws. He withdraws. And that night, okay, it moves on through the story of the disciples. They set out for Capernaum. Um, it's dark. It's late. Jesus isn't there. And they see him walking on the water, and they, f- they flip out, right? They just freak out. Um, and he says, hey, listen, it, it is I. Don't, don't be afraid. He calms them, and they move across to the other side. And in the morning, okay, um, the, the crowd is looking for him. They, they realize he's not there. And so they get in the boats, and they follow him across. And so Jesus has pushed away. He's, he's removed himself, and the crowds follow. They search for him. And that brings us up into verse 25 that we read just a moment ago. So as we walk through this passage, um, Jesus reveals something about their motive. He says, you're not looking for me because of the signs. You're not looking to me because of the miracles. You're looking to me because I fed you. And so why are we here this week? What is it we're seeking the Lord to do? What are we looking for him to be, to do? To say to us, is it something temporal that we want him to do for us? Or is it really what he wants to do in our lives? And then he says, you don't, you don't, need food. You need food that lasts, right? You need food that leads to eternal life, and this is what the sun gives you, um, and they, they don't get it, and they ask, you know, what does that mean, okay? What's, what's, that, what's that to do with, with, with anything, and um, what's, what's the work that we can do, right, that God wants us to do, and he says the work is to believe, and so they're still a little puzzled. They're still pressed, and, and, and then they kind of push into this, like, wow us, Jesus, Wow us. What's the sign? Show us a sign. And so he shows, uh, or he, he replies this way. Um, they, they want a sign like, like the manna from Moses, right? Moses gave us manna. Moses gave them uh, manna. What are you going to do for us? Wow us. Show us a sign. Okay? And he says uh, the manna wasn't from Moses. It was from God. And they press a little further, and they're still confused. They're still a little slow. Um, They're they're still thinking too literally. They're still not getting it. They don't understand. And they say, we want that bread. Okay, give us that bread that God gives. We want that bread. We want to be filled. We want to eat. We want to be fed. And this is where Jesus, because of their dimness, because of their lack of understanding, how they respond, he answers very plainly. And And he challenges their unbelief. Um, he, he shows 
that he can meet their need, he can fully satisfy. And he says this, okay? Um, Let's look at verse 35. First thing is this, Jesus offers us satisfaction. And so if we're gonna think about our need this week and what we need from the Lord and how he can meet our need, we need to know that he's offering us this need of satisfaction that we, we have deep down in us that we need to be met. He's offering us that satisfaction. He wants to meet that need. In verse 35, what does he say? I am, I am. He starts off in verse 35. He's saying, listen, you don't get it. I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna be, speak very slowly for you. I am the bread of life. I'm it. It's not this earthly food that you need, it's this eternal food that lasts, this satisfaction, this sustenance, this filling. You need that, and I have it, I am. When he says that phrase, I am, listen, I want you to understand, he's not making a simple phrase there. He's recalling back to um, God's absolute I am statements, and we see these metaphorical statements here in the book of John, but we also see that there are some absolute statements in the book of John where Jesus establishes a claim to his deity. He proclaims his deity, um, and he says, I am. And what he's saying there when he says, I am, um, he's saying that he is, he will be. I am, I will be there. Very clear, he's not timid. It's strong, bold, emphatic. And he's echoing God's I am statements, Father God's I am statements in in Exodus, in Isaiah. He is claiming, he is proclaiming his deity. They didn't get it. And so he's saying, listen to me, it's me. I'm the bread of life. I'm your satisfaction. I truly exist and will be actively present in everything you face, everywhere you go and everywhere I send you. I am he. I am the bread of life. And and so in these metaphorical statements, there's seven of them. And here in this statement, we're really looking at the first one in the book of John, I am the bread of life. And so he takes that I am statement and he kind of marries it to this metaphor. I am the bread of life. Now, is Jesus really bread? Not physical bread, right? He's not saying, I'm a loaf of wonder bread, I'll build your body in in eight ways, okay? Twelve ways to strong bodies. He's saying, I'm the bread. He's using it as a picture, a metaphor. Um, So he's saying, I'm the food. I'm the true bread. I'm the true food that will last, not just sustain for a time. I am the bread of life, right? I bring fullness, real, genuine, active, thriving life. It's spiritual and it's eternal life. I am the bread of life. I nourish your souls. I satisfy you. I satisfy your deepest longings. I am it. I am the bread. I am the food of life. This is what I can give you. I can meet your deepest need. I can meet your satisfaction. I can can meet your longing. I can fulfill it. It's not just a good meal that leaves us hungry. Okay, it's, it's, it's not one that leaves us seeking the next meal. Jesus says, I'm it, I'm it. And then he goes on to say this, not only does Jesus offer us satisfaction, but we can come to him um, and believe to be satisfied. Look what he says in verse 35. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and believes will never go hungry, will never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me, that's you and that's me. That's all of us, anyone. Anyone who comes to him, anyone who comes, that word comes right there uh, is interesting because it means to move from where you are to him, okay? So that's the picture. If you come to me, 
All right? If you turn from where you're headed, turn from your sin, turn from yourself, turn from what you're seeking life in, seeking sustenance in, seeking um, satisfaction in, trying to meet your need with, if you'll turn from that and turn to me, if you come to me and you believe, then you'll never go hungry, you'll never be thirsty. So we find our place with Jesus. We let Jesus influence us in our lives. We give our lives to that. He said, believe. So if you come to me and you believe, um, that means this, that we trust in him. If we have uh, faith for salvation or unto salvation, if we're persuaded by him, if we give our lives to him, if we give our loyalty to him, he's saying, if you will come from where you were and you'll come to me and you'll believe, if you'll give your life to me, you'll never go hungry. You'll never be thirsty. You shall not, shall never. There's not a time by any means, certainly not, never, or any time. Will you crave? Will you seek desire? You'll be full. You'll be fed. Your needs will be met forever in Christ. Never will you go hungry. Never will you be thirsty. Um, I will satisfy your deepest spiritual longing. That's what he's saying. This thirst that we have, um, it will be quenched forever in Christ. It'll be quenched forever in Christ. Hunger and thirsting are used for knowing God in Scripture. And so um, he, he goes on in verse 36 to say, you still don't believe, even though you've seen me, you won't believe. And so Jesus, we see him challenging that unbelief. We see him meeting our need and saying to us, um, this is who I am. I've shown you. Will you come to me? Will you believe in me? Will you trust in me? Will you be filled Will you be satisfied? Listen, students, Jesus satisfies. Jesus satisfies. And this week, um, I pray, and I hope you'll pray, that you'll let God draw you, that you'll let God um, uh, um, uh, pull you, speak to you, um, and that you'll respond to him in belief and trust and obedience with your life. Listen, eat your fill this week. Drink deep from the well of Christ this week. Let him be your satisfaction. And come to a place where um, you will say, listen, I'm going to base my life on Christ and I know he will meet my need. He will be my satisfaction. Um, he will um, take away my longing, the spiritual longing that I might know him as I hunger and I thirst for him. That I will hunger and thirst no more for the things that the world brings at me. And so this week, listen, as we close, some of you, it means trusting Christ. It means trusting Christ. Some of you, you haven't come and you haven't you haven't believed. You haven't believed. Uh, for some of you, it means trading your, your junk food, right, for real food. So the things you've been trying to fill up on to be satisfied, you trade that for food that fills. And for some of you, it means um, that you would decide to deepen your life in Christ so it's a matter of totality. And so will you trust? Will you trade? Or will it be a matter of totality this week? Listen, I, I want you to do me a favor, and we can all do this together, is that we would set aside our preconceived ideas of what might happen this week, and we would let God speak loudly and clearly and definitively with authority about what he wants for us. Because all of us have come into this place with a different expectation, right? But here's what we can do. We can all put all of that aside, and we can say, you know what, I don't care what we want. I want what God wants this week for me and my friends in my group, in our church, in our city, our community, our town, our school. God, what do you have for us? How do you want to fill us? How can we be satisfied in you and quit running to the things 
that are fake food, junk food. And so when we press close this week, when we hear and we see and we feel Jesus, that we would respond in obedience. That's not what happens at the end of this chapter. If we look at verses 59 through 69, we see Jesus teaching and he begins to teach some very hard things. And I think there are going to be some very hard things that Jesus says to you this week. And those disciples who had pushed close, those people who had followed, the crowds who had gathered around, they were close listening to Jesus. They could feel his sweat. They could smell him, touch him, feel him, hear him. They see him. They hear what he says. And when he teaches hard things, they're like, ah, we can't do that. It's too difficult. I can't handle it. And so they turn away. And Jesus turns and asks another question. I think he's asking it of us. He turns to his disciples, the 12, and he says, will you leave too? And here's their answer. I think it's great. Where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. You alone fill. You alone satisfy. So we're not going anywhere. And so this week, when we press close, will we come to a place where we listen and we see but never respond? You see those people that pushed close and then left, they never believed. They didn't respond. Or will we stay Will we stay? Will we come? Will we believe? Will we trust? Will we be satisfied? Let's pray. Father, thanks for this night you've given us. God, we're excited to open up your word this week and journey together and and that you would teach us from your word. And God, help us um, just to, to come to a place where our hearts would be open before you, that we would press into you, we would listen to you. We would learn from you. We would learn about you. And God, when we hear you, that we wouldn't turn away. But God, we would come to you. We would believe and we would trust. God, there are students at every place on the spectrum uh, of their spiritual walk, their spiritual life. But God, I pray that we would come together and be unified in our pursuit of what you would have for us. And so God, whether or not that's a student who needs to know you, they've never trusted you and they would come to know you for the first time, I pray that they would do that and you would draw them to you and they would respond in, 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 in faith um, uh, to, for salvation. And God, for those of us who do know you, God, that as we press into you, that you would push us deeper into obedience, that we would not seek to be filled on things that can't fill, but we would seek to be satisfied in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Thanks for listening.